0: All right, here we go. This is the Pfeffer on Power podcast, accelerating your career in which every other week we talk to some interesting individual about how they have used concepts from my book, Seven Rules of Power, how they use concepts from my class to accelerate their career. And in many instances, uh, you know, do some amazing things. Uh, Today, we're joined by Vivas Kumar, who was a student in my class. As I often tell him, he did the longest paper in the history of my class, The Path to Power. He did a brilliant job. And Vivas, I think, is important for our podcast series for the following reason. Many people believe that power is something that you need to use to climb up the greasy pole, if you will, in politics or the greasy pole of corporate hierarchy. But in fact, power and influence our topics that are important even for people, or maybe even particularly for people who are doing their own startups. Vivas, like many people who graduate from Stanford, did a startup, and he's going to talk to you about how he used the concepts in that startup. But I want to begin by asking Vivas to talk a little bit about your background prior to Stanford. Tell us about how you got to Stanford in the first place. Tell us a little about where you come from and, and your kind of career history.
1: Well, Jeff, first of all, it is an incredible honor to be invited by somebody who I consider to be probably my most esteemed professor from two of the best years of my educational life at Stanford to come on this podcast. And tracing back my roots, I was born in India. I grew up in Singapore and I came to the U.S. 20 years ago, much like many immigrants do. My folks moved the whole family here so that we could all have better educational opportunities and economic opportunities So going to a school like Stanford was always high on my parents' wish list for me. And, you know, they were certainly thrilled when I was accepted at school. But what I didn't realize was an education goes well beyond just books. And an education involves so many concepts that were just not taught in school, which I think your class did for me in a way that many classes I've taken in my life haven't done. And here's exactly what I mean by that, Jeff. For those of you who can't see me, Right and aren't going to look me up on LinkedIn or something like that. I am an immigrant. I am a brown-skinned guy. This accent that I speak with, an American accent, is not the accent that I've had my whole life. And people like me, we have been told by our parents our whole lives that the path to success in life is by putting your head down and working really hard. And that's it. Choose a respectable profession. Put your head down and work hard and it became extremely obvious to me from the moment I entered the workforce as a fresh engineering graduate that that was just untrue it was very clear that those who had reached the top of the hierarchy just played with a different set of rules played with a different set of skills that they just don't teach you in school and so when I heard about Jeff's class at Stanford You know, I thought this class is a class that I have to take and the concepts that Jeff thought around how to acquire power. It's exactly what he says. It's not about climbing the greasy pole. It's about how do you accrue resources? How do you accrue influence so that you can go out and enact the positive change that you want? So coming out of Stanford, what I've been doing is I am the CEO and co-founder of a company called Mitra Chem and we are working on battery materials. And we're doing this because we believe lithium-ion batteries are a key technology to help us solve climate change. So we're going after an extremely noble passion, and it's something that sets up the future generations of humanity to succeed.
0: Thank you. That was fabulous. And um, and thank you for also for telling what your startup is and, you know, and what you're doing. So th- the next question I'm going to ask you, of course, is to illustrate with some examples how you have used the concepts of this class as you ideated your startup as you got your startup off the ground, as you got your startup funded, as you hired people, as you, in fact, made the progress that you've made? What concepts have been particularly useful
1: to you and how have you used them? My foray in the battery industry began when I went to work for Elon Musk. And you want to talk about a powerful person, right? Elon, love him or hate him, it doesn't really matter right? Because this guy has power. And through working for him, because Tesla is the biggest battery company in the world by certain measures, I got to meet all sorts of people in the industry, in the global battery industry. And one of the concepts that you thought, Jeff, when you brought in speakers like Keith Ferrazzi, Jason Calacanis, to class was you don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the most emotionally intelligent person. IQ and EQ have certain limits to them. What doesn't have limits is the relationships that you can build, the number of relationships that you can build, and the transformation of relationships into resources. And so from having worked for Elon and having had certain access to you know the global battery industry the global electric vehicle industry the decision makers the investors the policy makers in those industries building those networks keeping that network warm and then turning around and going to them and saying to them hey i'm going to build this company this company is going to solve this specific problem that you and i have talked about for many years come with me on this journey as an investor come with me on this journey by giving me people who can work with me come with me on this journey by setting government policy to make it better for companies like mine to succeed. That was a clear way in which I took the network that took me years to build and then transformed it from relationships to resources, as you thought me. Yeah,
0: The other thing that comes across as you talk, of course, is your ability. Um, It's a very important concept. It's one of the rules in the Seven Rules of Power book, and you do it very well, is to speak and act with power. Have you always been good at this, or have you done some things to develop your skills to be as articulate and as forceful as you are in your speech?
1: Absolutely not. English is my second language. And like I said, this this accent, this American accent that I have, was a learned trait and a survival mechanism when I first moved to the U.S. And the best way in which one of the most transformational things that I've ever done is I joined my local Toastmasters chapter and competed in the World Championship of Public Speaking. And what it's forced me to do was to get up in front of a crowd of people, right? In the first competition, it was 10 people, and embarrass myself. And then in front of 100 people, and embarrass myself. And in front of 1,000 people, and embarrass myself. And, you know, there's a concept that you taught us in class, Jeff, which is get out of your own way, people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. And that's what public speaking and doing those competitions allowed me to realize. Because if you say something on stage that's embarrassing, people will make fun of you for a couple of minutes, but then they will go back to their own set of problems in life. And so what it did was the whole experience of public speaking competitively taught me how to be sparse in my word choice, intentional in which words I use in which situation and that communication is mostly not the words. It's the way in which you say things. I mean, let's take a a speech from a great leader in history a Margaret Thatcher speech, a Winston Churchill speech, a Barack Obama speech. You could say those same words. I could say those same words in the same time and place in which they said it, but it is the way in which They said those words to connect to a diverse group of people who needed to hear it at that time that gave them the power to become the leaders that they were.
0: That's, that's exactly right. And you just mentioned the issue of getting out of your own way. I think one of the things that inhibits people from starting their own companies, or for that matter, taking risks even in their careers inside of larger companies, is this idea that they might not succeed, uh, that they might fail. And one of the things that comes across in my interactions with you and the long walk we took around my neighborhood is your confidence. And speak to the importance of confidence, but also how you develop that and how you got through the idea of saying, well, you know, if I start a new company right out of the GSB, most new companies fail. How do you get beyond the fear of failure and how do you build the confidence, to use your wonderful phrase, help people have the faith to join you on your journey?
1: Jeff, I am an ardent capitalist and I believe in America. And the reason why I believe in America is because of the same reason why so many immigrants come here to get a second start and to know that if you fail and you fail with integrity, you will be given a second chance. When I first moved to Silicon Valley, I found out that even though Silicon Valley success stories are talked about all the time in the media globally, there are many more companies that have failed where the entrepreneurs behind those companies have been given a second chance. So one example that we talked about in class was former Uber CEO, Travis Kalanick. Travis failed in his first startup, failed miserably in his first startup, and then did really well in his second startup, and then his third startup was Uber. Silicon Valley history has been littered with examples like these. And so coming out of Stanford and having been involved in the Silicon Valley network and seeing that so many of the entrepreneurs who were coming to speak in class, whether it be your class or the other classes that I took at Stanford, had many prominent stories of failure in their lives themselves. I thought to myself, well, there's no way that I'm going to fail and that's it. It's done. That's just it forever. That's true in many countries. That's true in many communities, but that is not true over here. And you combine that with the fact that I believe my ability to create resources and activate my network to create resources. That's why I have the confidence. Now, you marry the confidence with the urgency, I feel, around wanting to solve climate change which is truly what drives me. If we do not solve this problem, we will have no other problems to solve for humanity because we will cease to exist. So every morning, I jump out of bed with confidence knowing that if we get a beautiful future, it is because we worked for it and actually solved this problem. So the confidence has been a learned skill. It goes back to the whole point around public speaking, around just getting myself out there. Originally, it was started as, Overcoming the barrier of English being a second language and American mannerisms and the ways of speaking in this new culture where I found myself to be a new concept to now being an essential tool in my toolkit to lead the company where I'm at. Thank
0: you so much for that. That's a fabulous answer. Um, Did you do anything to build your brand prior to launching this startup that you've you've launched? One of the rules is build a powerful brand. What did you do while you were still at Stanford? And what did you do even maybe before you got to Stanford to try to build a brand so that people knew you when you approached them? I understand the importance of networking, which you've talked about. But beyond that, talk a little bit about how you built an identity associated with solving the problem of batteries.
1: So, Jeff, let's actually start the story. When I was working at Tesla and my biggest professional mentor is a gentleman named Liam O'Connor, who was the vice president of supply chain at the time, and he was my boss. And I approached him when I first joined the company. Right. And I said, look, you want somebody to manage the battery supply chain, which is one of the largest spend categories at Tesla. And I don't know that much about the battery supply chain. I'm an engineer, so I know about batteries, but I don't know about that much about this. But the resource that I have that you need is I will go anywhere, anytime, for any reason to get a deal done. And so he looked at me and said, "Okay, fine, you're going to take this job and you're going to travel nonstop. And so in the span of the time that I worked at Tesla, I think I traveled internationally almost every other week. I went to 40 countries. So, Jeff, I've been to Japan 15 times and I've only ever spent seven nights in a hotel room in Japan because this is just how much I was traveling. And there's just absolutely no substitute to FaceTime in terms of building the depth of the relationships that I was able to build in this small industry. You know, one of the lessons that you taught me, Jeff, as well was the more and more senior you get, you just can't control the relationships you have to have. You have to make the relationships around you work. And this is absolutely true of the industry where I function. The senior most leaders of the lithium ion battery industry, they have been there for a while and they will be there for a while. And guess what? If you don't like me and you're listening out there, too bad because I'm going to be here for a while too. And so going out all over the world, meeting CEOs of these companies with whom we were doing business, transacting multi-hundred million dollar deals with them in person, It built the credibility and the gravitas and it continued into Stanford because I had to find a way. So, you know, just to be honest with with everybody who's listening out there, right, like I don't I don't come from tons of wealth. Like I had to find a way to pay for school and I knew that I wanted to have the opportunity to go do something entrepreneurial afterwards. And so having student debt was just not a tenable option for me. And so I decided that I was going to keep working basically full time even while I was at Stanford Business School. Wasn't the uh, best lifestyle decision, let me put it that way. I mean, there were lots of 17-hour days in that process. But the work that I did outside of Stanford at the time was focused on doing some consulting work in the battery industry with those same individuals in the industry with whom I had done business in the past, converted them into consulting clients of mine so that I could pay for school and buy myself the ultimate resource, which was time And optionality, such that when I got to the point where I was at graduation and decided I wanted to start a company, I went back to those relationships, which I had cultivated so deeply over so many years within this small inner circle of the battery industry, which is so hard to break into and converted them into becoming my customers, my investors, my supporters.
0: That was a fantastic answer. Also, I thank you so much for, for doing that. I'm going to end with one final question. And that final question is about your, um, uh, all startups, of course, have to engage in fundraising. And so you went out and raised money. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about separate from the relationships, which you've kind of talked about any other tricks or any other pointers that you used as you went out to raise money, because as you go out and raise money, raising money is always, unfortunately, a negotiation where you want a high valuation and the investors, of course, want to invest in you for nothing with a low valuation. So any thoughts about how you were able to leverage your knowledge about power and your power skills to do well and comparatively comparatively, quite well in your
1: fundraising efforts? Jeff one of the lessons that you thought in class was if you want somebody to invest in you don't go ask them for an investment be the type of person who is worth investing in and display that behavior and everything else will follow suit so mitra chem i founded this company with my two co-founders in the middle of taking your class and our lead investor is a gentleman named chamath Palihapatiya who's a a very well-known venture capitalist and is somebody who, frankly, I've looked up to for many years because many of what I've said about myself, you know, an immigrant who has worked very hard and has built, you know, technology businesses that are enviable, much of that is relatable to me. So I met Chamath on Twitter when I was in your class. And when you gave me that advice of don't go ask for money, become the type of person that he would want to invest in, I mean, that's basically the transformation that happened in the time that I was in the class where I just approached him and said, hey, I'm interested in doing something in batteries. Are you interested in talking about batteries? Let's just talk about batteries. And out of nowhere, the conclusion came to you have a great idea, Vivas. Start this business. I'm going to fund this for you. And likewise, you know, going out and finding other investors because it wasn't just Chamath. We have a wonderful group of 46 investors who have backed us. And for all of them, it was not just, you know, hey, give me money. It was, I'm going to build this business, and this business is going to change this entire industry and is going to play a meaningful role in solving climate change. And I am an investable person. Either you get on board now or you've missed it. Wow. Well, thank you so much.
0: That um, You're like, uh, you really do illustrate the class in a thousand different ways. And with that, we'll end this uh, particular episode. This Jeff, has been the-
1: Jeff- what? Jeff, you flatter yourself too much. Let me just tell everybody in the audience right now, I would have paid my entire Stanford tuition just for your class. And I feel like the lessons from your class are going to live on forever because batteries will change over time. We will solve climate change. Fundraising cycles will change over time. But human nature never will. And that is the biggest lesson you taught me. And that is why you are one of my best teachers ever. Wow. Thank you, Vivas. People will think I paid you for that, but of course course I did not.
0: Anyway, this has been the Pfeffer on Power podcast. If you enjoyed today's amazing conversation with Vivas Kumar, please subscribe and listen to future episodes where we have these amazing guests who will talk about their experiences with important concepts around power and influence And for more information, visit my website at jeffreypfeffer.com. That is Jeffrey, and then it's the last name is spelled P-F-E-F-F-E-R.com. And to further your career, check out my latest book, Seven Rules of Power, available on Amazon or from your favorite bookstore, assuming your favorite bookstore still carries books. And with that, thank you so much, Vivas. You've been fabulous. Thanks for having me, Jeff.